You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. We'll look ahead to England's T20 series in Pakistan, which gets underway on Tuesday. What a coach Matthew Mott and his squad looking to gain from the seven match series. Former Pakistan captain Amir Sahail joins us from Lahore to discuss how the hosts are preparing for the series, and uh, we'll also get his thoughts on their T20 World Cup squad as well as the Test series against England later in the year. As well as that, we'll look back at another week of County Championship action with just eight points separating Surrey and Hampshire in Division 1 with two games to go. And we'll end by looking back at the final of the Royal London One Day Cup as Kent beat Lancashire in Darren Stevens' last game for the county. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, Harmi, let's uh, begin with uh, the seven-match T20 series that England have got coming up in Pakistan. Lots and lots of talking points. I suppose the the starting point is the fact that it's seven games. When was the last time we had a seven-match series? I can only remember one in the last 30 years. I can remember playing one in the West Indies, a seven-match one-day series, I think it was, in 2004. And that became a stag trip. We became a stag trip. We had just beat them 3 0 in the test matches. And one day it became a stag trip. Honestly, I've never seen never seen lads enjoy themselves so much on that trip after beating them in a test match at series to then basically have seven matches in the space of two weeks, two and a half weeks, and we had a stag trip. So I can't see it being a stag trip in Pakistan, but it just looks as though we're making up for lost time. Making up for lost time. We haven't been for 17 years. Uh, it's great to see England go back there. I think take cricket out of it, first and foremost. It's brilliant to see England back travelling to Pakistan. Australia went last last year, and I think it's a it's a monumental tour and a, an excellent move from the ECB to get cricket back into Pakistan because it's a wonderful place to, to travel for a short period of time. Um, but unfortunately, England are going to cram a lot in their short period of time. And seven matches, I think they need them. We, I don't want to, we don't dwell on what happened in the summer. I don't think we can. I think what happened in the summer was, Owen Morgan coming out of the side is huge for this, for the group, I think, for the management, for everybody concerned, the England cricket team. He was a leader. He gave them direction. And I wouldn't say they were rudderless in the, in the, in the one-day series. I've just seen that there was something missing and it was it was obviously, it was Owen's direction and leadership. And I think the time that Joss Butler's been, obviously not out, of the, he's out of the test team now. I'm sure him and Matthew Martin, they've got their heads together and put a plan together. And I think you'll see a very, very different England. An England which will be you know much more directional, game plan, we'll see, we'll understand what they're trying to do. And I think they'll see a better England. So from seven games point of view, for Joss, I think this is not a bad thing going into the World Cup. Well, of course, Mo is going to be captaining um, for the first uh, first couple, isn't he? That's big. Uh, I mean, it's not he's not un, unused to it. In fact, he's captained England very well. 
but uh, that'd be quite a symbolic moment for him. Huge for, for Moen, and I think that was one of the reasons why he was going to come out to the test team for that trip to Pakistan, for that very, very reason. But whether it's Moen, whether it's Joss, the plans will be in place. You'll be able to see what England's game plan is going forward, and probably nice to see for Joss to see from off the field what's happening um, to his side. And then, obviously, when he comes and slots back in, uh, he's got a nibble deputy there because Moen's, Moen's an excellent captain. We've seen that in franchise cricket around the world, and we've seen it for the, the Birmingham Phoenix, that you know, the, the team's in good hands when Moen's at, at the helm. But I think sooner the better we get Joss back fit and playing. And there's one or two in that boat. because I can, I can think of the likes of Mark Wood in that boat. Ollie Stone's out there. England need to get these guys fit and fire him to give them sort of some sort of game time, Chris Wokes, with the World Cup round the corner. There's lots of uh, other player questions I want to ask you about. Reese Topley's emerged out. Chris Wokes and Mark Wood are also continuing their recovery back from from injury. And it's, uh, it's a great opportunity for, for Jordan Cox and Tom Helm and, and Luke Wood as well. So lots to talk about there. But just in case I don't get a chance to, I want to ask you, about the security and about the environment in, in Pakistan. It's become the norm these days for, for teams to to be travel move around in, in presidential style convoys in, in bulletproof buses and armed troops uh, around the place. It can be pretty intimidating um, if you're not used to it. And and you know that I've experienced it personally and, and I, I'm not sure if you, if you did, but it's initially you sort of ask yourself, is this what cricket's about? Is this is this the environment in which we need to play the game that we love? Do you think that there'll be any of in this England team who might be uncomfortable with that? I mean, Alex Hales, of course, has played, I think he's played more cricket in Pakistan than any other overseas player in the last in the last three years. So um he'll be pretty pretty used to the environment. Yeah, and it, it, it's a valid point. And it's something that I'm sure every single member of this team will have had it drummed into him from Reg Dickinson, the security guy who I trust in my life, I spent so many time on tour with Reg um, and, and his respect for teams around the world that I remember after the terrorist attack in India, do we go back, do we not? There was a lot made of the senior players, myself and, and, and Andrew Fintoff. You know, if these two don't go back, we don't go back. It wasn't as simple as that. I remember looking at Reg and I said, so you're telling me categorically we'll be safe going into back into India, going into Chennai. And he just, he just looked at me and he said, he said, you're never, ever 100% secure, but it's as safe as you'll, you'll ever get it. You know, it's just, and I thought, that's good for me. I'm going, I'll go, no problem. Because we've got to, we're duty-bound in, in the game. Whichever country you come from, you go and play and grow the game around the world. And I think that's the message I think we should be setting and everybody should be setting, going into places which are a little bit more volatile than others. And I think that is important. When you look at it, England will get presidential treatment. There will be, you don't go out in Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh anyway. You stay in a ridiculously hotel, which is five star. It's got everything you need. You don't go out anywhere. So having sort of say you be cooped up in a, bu in a bubble, you're in that anywhere, whether it was before COVID, after COVID, or even sort of 15, 20 years ago. So I think from that point of view, the facilities are excellent now in Pakistan. The grounds, how big the support will be will be definite. It'll be a great atmosphere to play cricket in. I, I remember being out there and we played in Karachi and it was it was basically the first game back after Freedy had he break danced on the wicket, didn't he? He did a moonwalk on the wicket in Faisalabad. He got banned and it was like we're I stand on the field waiting for a Freedy to come in. This is his first game back because this is where he's from. I remember being at four, at short, short fine leg. I think Matty Pryor was waykeeper and we get a wicket. Expecting a freely because sixty-five thousand people are shouting, shouting for him, and in walks Inzaman, and I mean they're just booting. I'm like, this is Inzaman Hack, he's the captain, and they're booting. And then all of a sudden, a freely eventually comes in, and the noise was deafening. I remember because I used to go walk about. I'd never be in the same position twice, and Matty's trying try to tell us to move, and it's the old sign language because I'm I'm literally thirty-five yards away from Matt Pryor, who's keeping wicket, and I can't hear a thing. And he's like, his hands are going six now. He's basically going, you idiot, move, stand still, don't don't go walk about. And I can't hear a thing because it's just, I mean, the, the noise was deafening. So from that point of view, 
it'll be a great atmosphere. It'll be a great atmosphere inside inside these grounds. And it's got to inspire you to play at your best. And you mentioned the likes of Jordan Cox, Tom Helm, who's had a really good year, both of them. Fantastic year. I like Luke Wood. I really do. I think he can play test cricket. I really think Luke Wood's got something about him. So for me, I think it's an exciting tour for England. And I think it's one that if they embrace it and they go there and enjoy it and the culture, the culture that they're going to get at the grounds, I think they'll have a great time. And a word about Alex Hales. He's... Uh... He's spoken to the media. He was put up by um, the the media team, and uh, he's um, spoken about the the pain and the frustration of his being in the wilderness for over three years. He reckons he's playing the best cricket of his life, and was doing throughout that period when he was uh, in the cold. He refused um, to say a bad word about Owen Morgan. You know, he he did ask. He was asked the question about uh, whether uh, he might have being picked for England again, had Owen Morgan not been captain. And he said, you'll have to ask Owen that. Um, he said that he's, he's grown up um, and that he's a different person. He's matured. Um, and Matthew Mott has said that uh, he's got, a, he's starting with a clean slate as far as he's concerned. Yeah, and he has to. He has to start with a clean slate. I'm, I'm sure there are niggling little demons inside that that dressing room, which I think we all know that. You know, there's a, there was an issue with Owen Morgan. There was a little bit of an issue with Ben Stokes. I hope, I really hope Alex Hills gets a message, gets his head down, works hard, because he could be, he could be the difference between England winning, the, winning and losing the World Cup. This kid is ridiculously talented. Alex Hills in Australia on them wickets, he hit, tall man, hits a ball, drives the ball well down the ground, through extra cover at the ball bouncing on top of the bounce. And anything short, he's got this pick-up pull, a bit like what Australians had, this pick-up pull from a good sort of good length. And in a power player, that in Australia, that could be huge for England. Different in the subcontinent, because obviously the ball doesn't bounce as much and it doesn't come off the wicket as, as quick. But on good wickets, on bouncy wickets, Alex Hales has got the technique in the game, for me, to really, really put opposition on the back foot from ball one. That's why he could be the difference in winning... You know, England winning a World Cup, you really could, but there's never been any question about hitting the ball on top of its bounce or pick up pulling it or anything like that. The concern for everybody is what's between his left and his right ear, and that is something that I'm not sure can ever change. But hopefully, he might get the message that this is the last chance saloon. He is in good form. He is batting really, really well around the world, but he's not facing international class bowlers week in, week out around the world. And that's something he will need to get up to speed very, very quickly with, because if he doesn't, the pressure, external pressure from outside coming at him, um, having to perform, having to be brought back into the side, that could start weighing heavy on his shoulders, like it did with Jason Roy, if he's not, if he doesn't get after a good start. Okay, and just very quickly, a word about David Saker and Mr Cricket Mike Hussey joining the team. Hussey will be involved in the T20 uh, World Cup uh, squad and, and David Saker is... Um, part of the the team that's touring Pakistan at the moment. I just wonder, you know, Mike Hussey is, as I said, Mr. Cricket, brilliant, brilliant, great one-day player. Might there be a few sort of um, iconic English players thinking, why have they got an Aussie joining the squad? Yeah, that's a very, very valid point. I think there are one or two English coaches who could say, well, why have we gone overseas again? Good to see Huss involved. I'd much rather see them commentate than actually being involved in the England setup because I think there are English coaches who could could do a job. But at the end of the day, this is the national team and you get the best. And if the best at the minute is an overseas bowling coach, an overseas assistant coach, then it's up to Rob Key and the ECB to try and find a pathway for coaches to develop their skills so we can then get them because it's basically saying, our coaching system's not fit for purpose because whoever goes through it is not good enough to go to the top level. And I think that needs to change. But I've been on my high horse for that for a number of years now. And they're not listening. They're not listening to me about 100. They're not listening to me about the coaching. So they go with an Australian and a, 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 two Australians into it, you know, assistant coaches. We have, to, we have to look at that because we have seven overseas coaches in our 100 competition. And I think that's where we can develop if we have eight English coaches coaching our flagship ECB competition, then we will then produce a coach to go to a World Cup and help coach the England cricket team who was born, bred and raised and educated inside the UK. 
And uh, now, as promised, um, at the top of the show, we're joined by former Pakistan opening batsman and captain and convener of selectors, Amir Sahail. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Amir. It's How are you? I'm very good. It's always uh, a pleasure to be with you guys. T- tell us um, a little bit about what this tour means to England. Uh, I mean, to Pakistan. <laughs> we know what it means to England. Given the context of, uh, of so long uh, since they last toured, what, what does it mean to the cricket people of Pakistan? What, to the people of Pakistan? You know, everybody's delighted. And, uh, you know, cricket fraternity is uh, kind of a buzz uh, with English side touring Pakistan. And excitement is there, anticipation is there. Uh, so people are looking forward to this series. And it's a long series, isn't it? You know, when you talk about T20 series, you talk about three games, uh, at the most, four games. But here, we have a series of seven games. And I think uh, it's a perfect opportunity for both the sides uh, to have a look at their composition for one last time before getting into the World Cup. So I think it's a big series for both the sides. Talk us through the itinerary and um, were there any complications? Were there some venues that uh, were were more compromised than others in terms of security? Uh, it's not about the security. It's, it's, it's just Pakistan, is it? Uh, with floods and uh, it's been uh, devastating different parts of uh, the country. So uh, uh, PCB has decided uh, that, okay, Karachi and Lahore are the best suitable uh, stadiums and venues uh, for this series. But for the test matches, they, they have decided to go to Multan and Rabulpindi and Karachi. So they are going to explore other avenues as well. So for the time being, I think Karachi and Lahore, uh, they are best suitable uh, venues for, for this particular series. As always in times of uh, humanitarian crisis, the question is always asked about um, the relevance and the um, suitability of, of international sport taking place. I mean, the, the numbers and the statistics and the, the devastation is hard for us to comprehend um, not being there. I mean, uh, you know, up to a third of the country underwater. So I know that people say, well, sport provides relief, but is it appropriate that it's taking place in such devastating times? I think, uh, as you know, cricket is uh, kind of a religion in our country. And once cricket is happening, people actually forget about everything else. They focus on cricket. And I think to have a series, especially against England, is the right time. Because for the time being, it'll give some sort of joy to the people who are afflicted at the moment. So I think it's, it's okay to have a series. We're obviously focusing on T20 at the moment, but let me just ask you about Test cricket um, before we come back to the to the T20 series. You will obviously have uh, have seen England this summer and this extraordinary turnaround: one win in seventeen Tests and then six out of seven. And um, the new coach, the new captain, the new approach—dare I say, Basball? What have you made of it all? Look, you know. When you talk about uh, change in the fortunes, when you talk about uh, different attitudes, it's all about, you know, when, it, when you talk about the coaches and all that, you know, you have to give them the role. You have to define the role and, and what you need to do as, as a coach. You have to, you have to keep the players uh, in the comfort zone and instill a lot of confidence in them to go out and execute their skills. So that's what happened to English cricket. You know, you know when they were losing... I personally thought uh, they were too defensive. And in T20 cricket, they were ultra, uh, I would say, aggressive. So I think now they got a mired approach in test matches in T20 cricket. And that's why they are meeting success regularly. When you played test cricket, Pakistan were a very attacking team, as I recall, both with bat and ball. But in the last test series against Australia, on very, very flat pitches, it was a good old-fashioned kind of 1970s grind uh, going into the fifth day and wickets were incredibly hard to earn. What kind of series do you think is lining up uh, between Pakistan and England? I think that's where Pakistan cricket uh, cricket board, they need to raise the game. You know, when you talk about Dubai Stadium, you know, we one thing was associated uh, with Dubai Stadium, the pitches are going to be docile, uh, they're going to be uh, very friendly towards the batsman, the tilt is going to be towards the batsman. But this time around, what you have seen during the Asia Cup, there was plenty of bounce. Uh, there was thick grass on the pitches. Why can't Pakistan do it? I think if Pakistan is able to do that, if they provide the players with pitches which has bounce, 
uh, but for everybody. I think we'll, we'll actually start to prepare to go abroad and compete well. So that's where Pakistan's cricket board needs to divert their attention rather than other things, marketing and all that. And they have to uh, look at the pitches and other aspects which are going to bring uh, excitement towards the game of cricket. All right, let's turn our attention to the T20 series now. Pakistan's win-loss ratio has been extraordinary in recent times. Uh, I think it's, they've been winning more games than any other team. They seem very clinical in their approach, uh, a very um, methodical blueprint, if you like, and which doesn't involve going particularly hard early. I think uh, at the moment, what is happening in Pakistan, they're criticising, I, I would say, with operative criticism on uh, Rizwan, and barbarism uh, for their major approach. I think uh, people need to understand one thing in Pakistan that, that if, as an opener, you don't have trust in your middle order batting, how could you go out and express yourself? You know, they have to go out and make sure that they take the innings to a certain stage where these aggressors are going to come in and uh, do their job. But at the moment, we are tr- lost in translation. We, uh, from uh, hitting big sixes, we came down to my approach. And we have to find a way in between. And that's where we are struggling. And if we are able to find that, that method, uh, let me tell you, Pakistan has a very strong bowling unit. And the batters, when they start to complement the bowlers, I think this team can be lethal. But at the moment, we are definitely struggling with our middle order. But mind you, we have brought in Shan Masood, who's a reliable batsman. He's sort of a batsman who could uh, keep on getting odd boundary, he'll rotate the strike and give it to the aggressors like Pushdale and Asif, which has been uh, awfully quiet for a while. I was just about to ask you about Sean Masood because obviously he's made a massive impression in England playing for Derbyshire this year. Um, so uh, wh- where is he going to fit in? Is he, He's not going to open, is he? I think at number three, because uh, uh, the selectors have dropped for Harzaman. Uh, he's been batting for Pakistan at number three. So... Uh, he'll back number three. And if you require uh, to change your thinking and let's say Babar Azam taken to number three, then Shah Masood can open the innings. But for me, adjusting Babar Azam is going to be a big question because in T20 cricket, middle overs are very important. Once the opener, they give you a momentum in those six overs. Number three, number four batsmen are very important. But Babar Azam hasn't got those big, booming, uh, you know, shots, which he could actually uh, revert the pressure to the, to the bowlers. So that's where we're going to struggle. We have to be very sensible in making that call, that who's going to open the innings. Yes, Barber is struggling at the moment, uh, but uh, for me, it's going to be a very difficult call. Uh, if, you, if you promote, if you decide to open the innings with uh, Shah Masood, then I think uh, early wicket, maybe Barber Azam, uh, after six overs, uh, it might be uh, it might be a floating batting order for Babar Azam. What about the global T20 picture, Amir, and uh, and the PSL? I mean, the the spread of the IPL is is obviously um, well documented, um, with basically um, sort of mini IPLs opening up in in the UAE and and South Africa. Um, that is a full on mini IPL. D- does Pakistan cricket rely on the PSL financially, and 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 can it survive? I mean. It, it seems like it's being isolated a bit. Uh, let me tell you, when you talk about PSL, IPL and other leagues around the world, I think exciting. They have made themselves into a brand. But the thing is, to glorify IPL, PSL and other, other leagues, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a bad call. Because if you see Indian cricket, you know, one thing was related with Indian cricket, that technically correct batsman, technically correct batsman who used to bat uh, according to the situation. Now, just to glorify their uh, IPS, you know, they have, uh, they have brought in those players who are, who are renowned for their ball striking, big sixes and all that. And they are struggling. They are struggling big time. And same thing happened with the Pakistani team. Yes, from these T20 formats, you can pick a bowler quickly, looking at his ability and everything, how he approaches the game, how he handles the pressure. But when you talk about battles, You know, you need to pick a batsman from a longer format. You cannot pick a batsman playing in T20 cricket, hitting few sixes and earn a place uh, in the international side. For me, that's wrong. 
And that's why we see quite a few teams struggling. I am not against these franchise cricket uh, tournaments, but the thing is, they should be played in a different way. With that particular tournament, is going to help you find good players and who are going to make the difference. At the moment, what happening? What's happening with the Indian cricket? Those players are not responding in international cricket. Uh, that's why you see them struggling. They have changed so many captains because after uh, after Kohli, they haven't been able to find a right balance in their side. Same thing is happening with the Pakistan cricket. You know, Mohammad Asif. We have selected Asif Ali. We have selected him for a long time, but he hasn't responded. Only two games where you could say, yes, he made the difference. Other than that, he's been a baggage. And when you talk about Hoshdil, he's been selected on PSL performances. He's not responding well to, uh, you know, when it comes to international cricket. So for the management and for the selectors, it's very important not to glorify these. Use them as a money-making machine, but Selection criteria should not be based on these, uh, you know, these franchise cricket. That's my take. And finally, Amir, thank you. Um, finally, what areas of the starting eleven will Pakistan be experimenting with during this seven-match series against England? What, what, I mean, they've pretty much established and settled starting eleven. Um, and once they've resolved those issues, um, Pakistan are always amongst the the favourites um, at the at World Cups in both formats. So um, that'll be the same, I assume? Look, we, we are struggling with our middle order. Uh, that's for sure. This is the area we have to focus upon. You know, we, we have brought in Shan Masood. Uh, we got Heather Ali, who's going to be featuring in this one. But the thing is, we have to give them the right roles. You have to define the roles to these players and say, okay, this is the reason why you in the Pakistani team. You cannot leave them fending for themselves and they're not lost in translation or get confused. The role should be defined. Okay, we want you to go out there and play like this. And we got aggressors and Hoshdale or whoever you're going to um, going with. So you have to use this series to iron out the wrinkles before getting to the World Cup. If you stay confused, I think you'll, you'll, uh, Pakistan will struggle during the World Cup. They have to sort out their middle order. They have to sort out the thinking of the top order batsmen. You have to sort out the thinking of the players who are going to bat for Pakistan from 15th to the 20th over. Amir, thanks so much for your time. We can't wait Thank for the you. series to begin. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Former Pakistan captain Amir Sahail. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up in part three, we'll look back at uh, the week's county championship action as the title race heats up in Division 1, heading into the final two games of the season. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine 
and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Now available, as always, via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. OK, let's look at uh, the county championship. Two games to go. Uh, Northamptonshire frustrating Surrey with uh, a terrific draw, actually. Um, Northampton. Uh, Play. There were some real highlights to this. Uh, safe save, 124 batting at number seven, um, and hundreds for Emilio Gay and Rob Keogh. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a bit of a, a, a turn up. Didn't expect Surrey not to walk away with the points there. Yeah, and I think Surrey needed to walk away with the points because they've got obviously the harder running Yorkshire and Lancashire. Yorkshire both both probably Lancashire haven't got anything to play for, but Yorkshire have. Uh, when it comes to it, I watched some of the Emilio Gay innings. He's he's got something, him. He's got something. He's got a little bit of style about him. He's got a bit of calypso about him. I think he might have been watching Brian Lara a few times on uh, when he when he was growing up. But he times the ball lovely. He looks, you know, he's, he's elegant when he when he hits the ball. So whether it's defensive technique or whatever he has to work on, but actually hitting the ball for an opening batsman going out there, he looks as though he's he enjoys spending time in the middle and he looks as though he enjoys hitting the ball to the boundary. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised when I seen the extended highlights of, of his and, and um, good to see Tom Curran, Sam Curran took, it took forever to get Sam Curran over the, 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 the finish line of first class hundreds. Then his brother goes and knocks one the week after. So that was good for the, obviously for the Curran boys. And, and it's good to see Tom back. It really is. I hope he's enjoying his cricket because he had a whirlwind start. Then he took, as we all do, had a bit of a tough time a little and and then, then the mentality of the player comes through. And I hope he's on the back on the road of getting back and knocking on the England door because another one, he's very, very talented. So it was good to see Tom in the runs. And I just think, sorry, maybe he's just, this is where the possibly could have cost them the, the, the championship because I know they're eight points clear, but Yorkshire, Lancashire next when Hampshire have got to, Hampshire have got to play two teams in the bottom four you'd back Hampshire to get maximum points out of both of them games. So I know they've got a little little cushion, but playing against the the you know the Roses, that could be difficult the last two games of the season. But they do of course have um Ollie Pope and and uh, Ben Fuchs uh, returning to the team for those last two games. So you know so we look at a, a squad like Surrey's and uh at the beginning of the season you think well the bigger the squad the greater the depth uh, the better they'll be at the end of the season. Sometimes I wonder whether it works the other way and you look at all those Surrey players and you think they've got a strong bench and you know when yeah. they don't win the game you think maybe they picked the wrong team. Maybe they've got too many options. Absolutely. But, but it, you mentioned you've got the likes of folks and Pope coming back in. Don't think the runs are that much, a huge amount of problems. You know, Amla's got another 100 again. It's the, it's the ability. The, the, the teams that win the championship are the ones that pick 20 wickets. I remember when Durham won the championship in 08, 09. And I remember I've, I've spoke to Ali Brown, who played for Knotts during that time. We beat Knotts, I mean, both times where they were, they were second place. And I remember Ali Brown saying that your team was the best best team that we played first-class cricket against because the bowling unit was relentless. Not only is it a million miles away, teams get to Leeds and think we're nearly at Durham and it's another two hours on the bus. We stopped three times. It's freezing cold. And he said, you and Plunkett and Onions just want to knock our heads off. And that was the difference. That The difference is the bowling. It's not the batting. You can win the championship with, with runs and you'll draw a lot of games. If you've got bowlers that can take wickets, I think that's that's where you win the championship. And I think when you look at the Hampshire side and the Hampshire bowlers, Parker, Abbott, Abbas, if they win the championship, it'll be on it'll be on them, their quality rather than the batting quality. And I think that's where Surrey might just might just sort of come short because of the ability of not being able to take 20 wickets. Okay, we need to rattle through um, the other two Division One games. Warwickshire frustrated by Somerset, um, or maybe it was Somerset frustrated by Warwickshire. <laughs> but um, Warwickshire, uh, you know, Mohamed Siraj and Giant Yadav playing for them. Um, 
Sam Haynes seems still to be playing his cricket in a black hole. Um, yeah, he does, but <laughs> he's, he's a new James Hildreth. <laughs> there's nobody just, there's no recognition that he's got a 50 in both innings. But are Warwickshire going down? I think they might be, you know. I, I think they've got, they play Gloucester and Gloucester have gone. So it's a case of if they go down, it's their own fault because they play Gloucester um, next week. They might just might just sneak out of trouble, but nothing suggests that they might they, they get out of this because you know they haven't really they haven't really grabbed a game yet. Them and Kent at the bottom of the bottom of the table, both on 115 points. It's in Warwickshire's hands for me because obviously they play the team who are more or less relegated. Mohamed Siraj ran in again. He caused a few issues, caused a few problems. He's made for first-class cricket. The Duracell battery is made for first-class cricket. Just loving the game, seeing the highlights of, of, of some of his bowling. He just looked as though he just loved playing He just loves playing cricket, full stop. So yeah, while you've got you've got somebody like Siraj, you've got a chance, like I mentioned before, about the bowling. And Sam here, and that's, I think that's 950s he's got this year. 950s. Problem I see with Sam, he bats at number four. He's never going to get a game at England number four. No matter how many 50s he gets, um, you're not getting in ahead of Joe Root. So you might have to go and bat three. You might have to go and bat three and say, I want to challenge Ollie Pope for his place in the side because Besto's just got hundreds for fun when he's not playing golf. And Stokes is not going anywhere. So if you bat four for a county, I'm sorry, you're not going to get a game for England because no matter how good you are, you're not displacing the best player that's ever played the game for England in Joe Root. So... I think if Sam wants to knock on the selector's door, does he go and open the baton or does he go and bat at number three and say, well, if there's any trouble spots there, I'm still scoring runs. Essex beat Yorkshire by one wicket. I think Shane Snater is, I think he, he might be my favourite cricketer because <laughs> he doesn't look like he can bat. I mean, he looks like a bit, a, had a bit of a hitter and, and people, I think, continue to treat him like he can't bat, but he, keeps on scoring runs and he keeps on taking wickets 65 not out to win the game against Yorkshire yeah and that's that's a big blow for Yorkshire because Yorkshire Yorkshire get the draw there they're safe then no questions last two games they can go to to Surrey and enjoy their trip to London now they're still looking over the shoulder where Essex you're right Shane Snater you he's that good old county pro isn't he that you, you can rely on that's going to bowl you 25 overs in innings. He's going to get three and four for every single game and then get you out of trouble with a bat at the bottom end. And he's done it again, you know, 65. When I seen the 65 with a one-by-one run, I could I was just thought of you straight away, them lower order runs. I said, I can't wait for the cricket collective next week because manners will be all over this. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it is. And we, we got sample size of him playing international cricket when he played for Holland, played for the Netherlands against England. He's just a good all-round county pro. Bats it that sort of low middle order, number eight, number nine, handy player to have when bowlers are tired. Um, and he he gets through his overs. He doesn't doesn't shirk his responsibilities with the ball and picks up valuable wickets. So now Essex have got in Harmer at eight and Snater at nine. It's not a case of right five down all out with with Essex. You've got to really work hard for your wickets when you're playing against when you're playing against them at Chelmsford. Okay, um, Division 2, quickly, Middlesex, Glamorgan, that top of the table clash there, looking for promotion. Um, Middlesex thrashed them by uh, 10 wickets. Uh, what stood out for you? Toby Rowland-John's gone over 50 wickets now, 55 wickets at under 20 this season. Um, has his time passed for England? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, when I, I've heard about Sam, Sam Cook, bowler from Essex, Toby Rowland-Jones, a bit like the Sam Hearns. They're the similar bowlers to Broad and Anderson, now Robinson. And you're going, yeah, I'd love you to... You could do a job for England. But unfortunately, the blokes that are in position are a little bit better than you are, and they are. They're very, very durable. They don't get injured. So, unfortunately, Sam Cook and and Toby Rowland-Jones... You And Toby Rowland-Jones is a personal example. There's about five or six Toby, Toby Rowland-Joneses have been waiting on Broad and Anderson to retire for about four or five years. And then there's an 18-year-old... 18, Toby Rowland-Jones playing somewhere around here thinking, by the time I get to 30, I hope Anderson has retired because that's the only way I'm going to get in. And that's that's pretty much you know where, where Toby Rowland-Jones has been. I think Sam Cook's on that on that front as well. You know, very, very good bowlers, um, but they are arguably going against the two greatest of all time from this country. So Middlesex, comfortable winners. They've been stand out in that second division. Unlucky for Glamorgan because I think Glamorgan have... 
the sort of winds just come out of their sails a little bit. Um, but 50 wickets for or 55 wickets so far for Roland Jones after the injury he had, it's good to see him, you know, good to see him back bowling. But I think his time has come for him. Durham also comfortable victors over Leicestershire. Matty Potts, 13 for 101. What is it about playing for England and then going back to the to the championship, going back to county cricket? Is it that much of a step down? I mean, he just looked different class. Mind you, he's also got 50 wickets or 49 wickets at 17.2. So he's 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 been different class for you know in the six matches in the first part of the championship as well. It's great. It's great to see how he's conducted himself this year. He wants a huge pat on the back. When end of September comes, somebody needs from England, just sit him down and tell him how good he's been this year, right? Because he got himself in in England. If you asked him this time last year, what's your your key goals? He'll probably say play all season for Durham. Can I play all season for Durham? Because he wasn't a shoe in it at Durham. And then all of a sudden he's played four tests, you know, four test matches. He's come back into the summer, into England and then when you go back to Durham or you go back to your county, the come down is is huge. I used to look at it the other way. I used to feel more pressure playing for Durham than I did play for for England. <laughs> I did because I was like I was playing for my mates. This is I'm, I'm playing for Durham with more or less my mates, and I'm going. I need to perform here because and I and I did that you know quite a few times. I remember playing in a in a quarter final of the uh, I think it was a C and G. I had to have an injection. Duncan Fletcher went mental, had injection. Oh, ECB went mental, had an injection. But I wanted to play because I was like, I got loads three, four times a year and play cricket for England. And my mates might never, ever get there. So I'm going to try my everything to get there. And we, you know, we eventually got there. I missed the final because I was injured. But I, I wanted, I wanted a, a club to have a, a great day there. So I felt more pressure going back when your mates are looking at you and going, come on, you play for England. You should be bowling these out. And that that is that is a that is a pressure in itself. So Matty Potts has gone back and he's embraced that and he's basically gone, well, I play at a different standard now. I play I have higher standards now. And they've not dropped. And some of the wickets he got this week, a lot of court behind court, you know, bold, a lot of LBW. He's he's learning. He's learning that if if I get a batsman who don't fancy facing me and I can bowl six out of six in and around off stump. I will get wickets. I'm not, you know, I don't have to sort of do anything funky. And the wickets he got this week were a lot like that. So good for him. And finally, um, Sussex draw uh, drew with uh, with Worcestershire. Um, did you see there was a tweet uh, for to address to us um, from Pete Bancroft? Uh, he said, "Next time you're on the Cricket Collective, can you talk about Orr and Carson at Sussex? Or consistently making runs? Carson's taking wickets at about thirty. Uh, they should be lions. At least England are not exactly blessed with openers and spinners. He's yeah, he's spot on. He's spot on. But Sussex. The reason why we don't spend too much time on Sussex is I'm not sure Sussex really spend too much time thinking about first class county championship in in England. I I, I don't think they prioritise that. They give young players a chance, which is great, which is which is good. So that from a club's point of view, I'm knocking them from the hierarchy, from the actual playing point of view. They give young kids a chance to give them their head, which is valuable for them for them young players to to sort of experience first class cricket. Um, a couple of senior players, other than Pajara, would be I think would be benefit than just chucking a bunch of kids into a game of cricket and hopefully they either sink or swim. He uh, mustn't have seen me on the the county cricketer this week because talking about Carlson, I I said he might go to Pakistan. It might be too early for him, but we are not blessed with spinners in this country. We've got ones that don't want to play, we've, who are half decent. We've got ones that want to play, who we don't want to pick. <clears throat> and is it too is he too young to go? Well, if we're going to take three spinners, four spinners, whatever, he might make he might make a sort of baggage handle on a trip just to bowl in the nets and see how it goes. Because there's not many standouts. Pete, you're right. There's not many standout spinners in there. But at the minute, it's probably a bit too young for him on the on the on the senior tour. But when we get back to going on Lions tours and kind of ear trips, then I'm sure, especially Carlson, because he's a young spinner, he might have a chance of of getting getting on one of them trips. And uh, just before we break, um, look ahead to the penultimate round of fixtures. Which ones catch your eye? I think the the, the biggest one for me is the one, the sort of sentimental one. He's 90 year old. He's a brilliant man, Mickey Stewart. You know, the oval turns the Mickey, it's the Mickey Stewart oval. So brilliant. Well done, Kia, for taking the name off for this one week. 
Goffey will be in his element. The Stewart family will be will be so beaming and proud. And I hope Mickey has a great day because what a great man. For English cricket, as a player, a coach, administrator, um, all-round guy, give us Alex Stewart as well, Sir Alec as well. So he's done something, he's done a huge amount of right in his career. Um, and to still be going nine-year-old, sitting there with a beaming smile at a test match, that's the that's the standout for me this week. Not about the cricket, it's about celebrating a man and uh, it'll be a great, a momentous day at the Oval um, when you know, the White Rose turn up. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe. And speaking of the Oval, the man who averages 131 with the bat, Steve Harmison. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, another word um, about uh, the Oval, uh, just following on from the uh, part three, is that it has been confirmed they will host the World Test Championship final next year rather than um, Lords, which uh, had been earmarked. Uh, anyway, um, let's uh, let's talk Darren Stevens. Extraordinary victory, twenty-one runs in the end. Um, Steve, I finished thirty-two not out from thirty-one balls, bowled as tidy as ever. Um, and remarkable, um, 50 over cricket, their first title, Kent's first title since 1978. And good on them, I think, for sticking with the, the same squad of players. Um, even when their 100 players came back, they said, no, these are the boys that got us to the semi-final and the final, and we'll stick with them. Um, but um, everyone uh, is saying it's a, a lovely send-off for, for Steve-O. It is from Kent, but um, the man himself is determined to carry on and wants someone else to... Offer him a contract. Yeah, he wants to keep going, doesn't he? Forty-seven. Will he be forty-eight by the time he's he finishes? If he if he does have another go next year, no, be forty-seven. I think he will be. Uh, if this is the end, what an end! I would be I'd be tempted to walk off now after after the final. It doesn't get any better than that. I know Steve wants to to carry on. Whether he's sort of looking for a, a sort of player coach's role somewhere else, um, you wouldn't. I, you wouldn't begrudge that because of the what the, the ambassador has been for for cricket in this country, especially at first class level. And uh, I thought it was a good final. I was watching the first hour before I went went off to do my other job at, at Newcastle, and it was played differently. I must you know, admit, I, I mentioned 1978. I, the bits that I looked um, on the street, it, it, there were times it looked like they were still playing in 1978. I was it was say, a throwback, yeah. wasn't it? A little bit. The the first ten overs, I'm going. I think there was something like 15, 15 for one off of five overs, and I'm going. Would somebody run down a wicket and try and belt this over there? If you run down a wicket here, Robinson, and hit him over his head, then his bowls. He he just bowls differently. Bailey has to bowl differently. He, he's just plonking on a length, and you're patting it back. And it was like this has gone back in time a little bit. Um, but it was it was brilliant. They set themselves up nicely. I thought Everson batted, batted well. No, they've got power down the order when the likes of Joe Denley and and, and Steve-O comes in. Uh, and I'm pleased for Kent. I'm pleased for Kent. to seen a, a picture. I think it was Sam Burns put on of himself and Zach Crawley and a few others on the train on the way up to, to Nottingham. Um, and good for Matt Walker, who you know, I decided to stick with. No, these guys have got us there. These guys weren't part of the 100. These guys deserve their deer in the sunshine and it was it was brilliant to see and taking off and away from sort of Kent and Lancashire you know really don't really want to have a, a dig and a go again but the plan of final at Trent Bridge and I've got nothing against Trent Bridge I made my test debut there and I hold Trent Bridge to my heart but there was a village cup game on at Lords on Saturday in, in our flagship 50 over competition which got shunted back to one side when the 100 was about have gone to Nottingham. I think that tells you, if I was Royal London, I'm going, do I really want to sponsor a competition that the ECB don't want anything to do with? Questions to answer, but never mind. Oval having, Oval having a World Test Championship, I think that's right, because I don't think the surface, the, the, the surface at, at the Oval has been very, very good. I think the atmosphere at the Oval is very, very good. I would have had it there or at Edgebaston. Loads can get soulless at times, especially when England, if England aren't playing. Um, so for me, I think it's right that they have it at the Oval or I would have had an edge bass and I would have brought them into the play as well. OK, uh, a word to young cricketers now who uh, find themselves standing in the outfield or standing in the slip cordon with their hands in their pockets in April and September because it's cold and they wonder why they don't just wear gloves. There's a good reason. 
You don't because you're not allowed to. Yes. Only the wicketkeeper is allowed to wear gloves, something that Harry Finch discovered um, when he, uh, during the, the Royal London final, um, Ollie Robinson uh, ran off to field a ball at short fine leg, pulled his glove off in order to throw it back. And Harry Finch, as a laugh, picked the glove up, uh, put it on and, and took the throw. And uh, Kent were penalised five runs. You can't wear gloves unless yes. you're the wicketkeeper. You can't wear gloves. Yes, I remember. I remember uh, 2004. I think it was. It was 2004, 2008. It might be when the West Indies were over here. <laughs> and again, ECB send the West Indies are the sort of smaller nations in sort of money terms. They were the first two Test matches in May, and it's the same Bangladesh. They got it. Zimbabwe got it. And they sent them to Durham. And I mean, it was freezing. It was freezing. I can't remember the coach's name, Australian guy. Uh, it was bigger belief. I was walking off the field and the West Indies players are doing field and practice in their batting gloves. And he just erupted. I can't really say exactly what he said, but I must admit, I'd have been wearing gloves at Durham that time and I live up here. It was freezing. So coming from Barbados, doing field and practice with a brand new Duke's ball, getting whacked at you. The, uh, they had their batting gloves on. So no wonder they dropped a few catches in that series. <laughs> um, do you remember in the good old days, um, if you if you made any runs in the Nat West final, which was the last game of the season, yeah. you, 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 was, well, you were a shoo-in for the winter tour. Um, so yeah. Keaton Jennings looked pretty good for his 72. Is it a little throwback? Does he get to go to Pakistan on the back of that? I think he does, you know. I think he does. I don't think, I, I don't think they're going to drop Lees or Crawley, but I think you have to take... Jennings, I'd take Jennings and Duckett. I'd take them both to give England options, left-hand options as well. Um, both play spin relatively well. They're good sweepers. I think Jennings might just give Lees a nudge in Pakistan. Ben and Brendan seem to be very, they're very, very loyal towards a team that have done very, very well this year, and rightly so. But if you were to go, if you were, you know, I mentioned in Durham, if you went to a test match at Chesley Street, and you'd go horses for courses with bowlers on a surface which has got a little bit in it. Sometimes you have to do that with a bat as well. And England have, have done that in the past, and it's been, you know, successful because Jennings has got hundreds in in the subcontinent in in India. So I think Keaton has a chance to go on. Yes, I think he'll definitely go, whether he plays or not. The loyalty of of Stokes and McCollum, that's another question. Okay, moving on to um, the relentless march of, of T20 franchise cricket. Mark Boucher, you would have seen, gave a post-test match, post-series interview after um, South Africa were beaten at the Oval and um, absolutely no sign whatsoever that uh, he was about to step down. Four hours later, there was a press release um, in which he said that uh, he had resigned from the South Africa job. We knew it wasn't official um, at the time, but we knew that he was uh, heading to the IPL to become head coach of the Mumbai Indians. Mahela Jayawardner has been in that position for five years, won three titles. He's now moved upstairs. He's a performance director for all of the Mumbai Indians franchises. And the Mumbai Indians are not the, the only franchise to, to take a, a global view now. They've got performance directors of the Rajasthan Royals as well. Um, that's Mahalajaya Warden is great mate, isn't it? Kumar Sangakara. So just the way that uh, coaches um, and coaching structures are being put in place for with a global view um, at the expense of um, of national teams in many cases, uh, it's, it's, it's all happening on a coaching level and it is inevitable, as we have said for, I don't know, the last year, that the players will, will follow. They will belong to a franchise first and foremost and uh, will be available to their countries on a secondary basis. Yeah, 100%. And it just looks as though that they are, you know, they're, they're putting the building blocks in place, you know, ready for when somebody makes a break. And Stokes made the break in ODI cricket. There'll be a few follow in that from um, talking about retirement. And there will be a big hitter. There is, the, the, I think there already are big hitters that are doing that now. Moen Ali's one, Liam Livingston's one, Josh Butler will be one but it will take something big for one of the, the big superstar test players. I don't think it will be Ben because Ben's obviously captain in England, but there will be one or two big name test match players who will decide I've cashed my chips in. I'm now going to go and be a player for Rajasthan Mumbai franchise and play their all their global tournaments. 
And I think they're now just putting the, the building blocks of coaching and administration staff in place, basically to take over the world because it's coming. And it is coming, and I don't think we can stop it. I think what we need is a couple of English t- technical directors, if that's what the word is, because a couple of English technical directors will get English coaches into systems of Rajasthan, Mumbai, and whatever, and that will ultimately make them better coaches. And hopefully that will transfer back to this country when you know when they come back and coach here, because like we mentioned a little bit earlier, we're going to a world competition and we're going with a head coach from Australia. We're going from an advisor from Australia. We're going with a bowling coach from Australia. That's a sad case of affairs with the coaching standards in England, if if that's that's obviously what's happened. Why do you think Mark Boucher doesn't get the the, the Mumbai Indians Cape Town job as well? Uh, it's He lives in Cape Town, um, but Shane Bond, who lives in Auckland or somewhere in New Zealand, um, he's, he's, he's being brought over to Cape Town. To, to coach the the Cape Town franchise, and Boucher goes to Mumbai to coach the only thing, franchise. Man, is the only thing I can think of is that Mark Boucher has been kicked. Whether whatever your politics are, and I don't know enough about it. You probably know more about. You definitely know more about it than than I do. Is Mark Boucher just saying I don't want to work in South Africa? It's not a case of I don't want to work for Cape Town because it's like me saying I don't want to work for Durham. I've just had enough of South Africa. Yeah, and that's possibly what Mark Boucher's saying. It, did he make that statement at the end of the test series, knowing full well he was walking away and going to Mumbai Indians? But he's also saying to the journalists of South Africa, who have, rightly or wrongly, reported on stories about you know, the, the situation with Mark Boucher and Graham Smith and everything that goes with it, is this Mark Boucher just saying, I just don't want to work in South Africa anymore? Possibly. Am I, am I right or am I, am I wide of the mark? Uh, you're never that wide of the mark, homie. I was in Brisbane, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, there, there could be something in there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the um, thing is, Boucher's contract was coming towards uh, was coming to an end after the 2023 World Cup. It was never going to be renewed, even if they won it, because I think four years is a natural lifespan, isn't it, uh, for, a, for an international coach. And when uh, the Mumbai Indians come along and they say, we're looking for a head coach, um, here's your offer. Um, it's between three and four times what you're being paid by South Africa. Um, we'll, we'll give you a three or four year contract. Uh, and so, you, you you know, and uh, and by the way, it's take it or leave it. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a one time offer. And and that is the way it's going to be with, with franchise, with players as well. Um, you know, we're just round the corner. It may even have happened where a franchise says, yeah, I know you've just been picked for your country and I know that's a great honour and I know you're very excited and you can go and play. That's fine. But you um, you won't be able to play for us. It's coming and it's not far away. I don't think it's far away. I think, like I said before, a lot of it's happening. I think it just takes one of the big guns, and I mean the big test superstars, to do that and break away and then it could be a bit of a free-for-all. Indeed. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week to look back at the opening four T20s between England and Pakistan. But for now, from me and Harmi, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 